with the 15 or so minutes that we have left, I want to talk to you a little bit about the dedication of the temple of God that is found in both Kings and Chronicles. I'm always encouraged when I read the narrative of King David and Israel who gave so generously for the temple to be constructed. So let's take our final moments just reflecting on 2 Chronicles. Uh, there's a Bible in one of the seats in front of you. If you didn't bring yours, you might pick one of those up and find Chronicles. Now, maybe you haven't been in Chronicles in a while. If you can find in the Old Testament the book of Psalms and go back a little bit, you'll find Chronicles there. And uh, you might dial into 2 Chronicles. I'm going to read from chapter 6 of that book. But let me give you a little bit of background and then we'll uh, go to that text. In the previous book, which is 1 Chronicles, in the 22nd chapter, it describes David who longed to build a temple for the Lord. But God had determined that David would not build the temple, that his son Solomon would instead construct the temple. But yet David gave generously for the project. And he amassed all the materials and made the plans for the completion of the temple. I love that one generation was making provision for another generation to worship God. I can't help but reflect as we go through this narrative about us in this current church. Certainly all the generations of this church have participated in the generous giving for this facility and the planning and the bringing it about. But I have been most encouraged by the oldest generation of this church who gave remarkably to this project. And some of them would even say to me, now preacher, I know I'm not gonna be here long to enjoy that worship facility, but there are generations that are already alive and those that are coming and I am giving for them. Man, does that ever encourage me to know that their heart is given to the previous or to the next generations. David was like that. David recognized that God was not going to allow him to build the temple. His hands were marked with blood. He knew the next generation would be the one to do it, but he was making every effort for that temple to be built by that next generation. I'm grateful for people that have a selflessness like that. In the 29th chapter of 1 Chronicles, not only did the king give generously, but so did the leaders throughout Israel, all the officers and all the people. All the resources were in place for the construction to begin. As a church, we did the same thing. We determined that God would raise up the resources needed for the construction to be completed and that we would construct based on what God had provided to us. That's a pretty good way to build. It's certainly a way that brings all the glory and attention to God. Now listen to David and the people and the gratitude that they had for the opportunity to give. At the end, the very last chapters of Chronicles, it says this, both riches and honor come from you, God, and you rule over all. Who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and you and of your own we have given you. You hear what he's saying? God, it all belongs to you. You've entrusted it to us and you bless us for giving back to you what belongs to you. 
That's a pretty remarkable statement, isn't it? That God wants to bless us in the giving and God gives the means by which we can give. In other words, he's making every necessary resource available that if we're faithful with it, he would bless us with it as well. Early in the chapters of 2 Chronicles, the narrative of the construction and the dedication come about. And it too gives us wonderful insights the first chapter of 2 Chronicles tells us that before Solomon built the temple, Solomon was a worshiper. Clearly, the writer wants us to know that you don't have to be in a building to worship God. You don't have to have a building to worship God. And Solomon was a worshiper of God before the place of worship was built. In the second chapter, the final preparations are made for the construction itself. And the Holy Spirit assembles skilled and talented and hardworking people to bring that about. That's what those folks were on the stage. They were helping us to recognize the Holy Spirit's assembling of a team. A team that would gather together with the unique talents and abilities and experiences that God would give to them so that this could be brought about. There is no coincidence with God. Everything is brought together with purpose and intentionality. And that team represented the skillful movement of the Spirit through them. In chapters 3 and 4 of 2 Chronicles, he summarizes the building and the furnishings that are within and around. And then chapter 5, Solomon instructs the priest to bring in the ark of the, into the temple. And within the ark, if you remember, there is God's tablets, the covenant that God made that he had given to Moses at Horeb. And God's word was there in the midst of that ark brought into the temple, reminding us that the word of God is a central aspect to the worship of God. And of course, his presence would be manifest in that place. Now, if you're with me, I want you to go to the sixth chapter, and I want to just read through the first 14 verses, and I'm going to make quick summary statements. This is not going to be a traditional message that I would preach, but I just want you to see some highlights here. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness, but I have built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. Then the king turned around and blessed all the assembly of Israel, while all the assembly of Israel stood. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hand has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to David my father, saying, Since the day that I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. And I chose no man as prince over my people Israel. But I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may dwell there and I've chosen David to be over my people Israel now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the Lord the God of Israel but the Lord said to David my father whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name you did well that it was in your heart nevertheless it was not you who would who shall build the house but your son who shall be born to you shall build the house for my name now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that he made for he has risen for I have risen in the place of David my father to sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised and I have built the house for the name of the Lord the God of Israel and there I have set the ark in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with his people Israel 
Then Solomon stood before the altar, and the Lord in the presence of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. And Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long and five cubits wide and three cubits high. And he sat in the court, and he stood on it. And he knelt on his knees in the presence of the assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands toward heaven and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all your heart. Now you might say, Randy, why are you reading those 14 verses to us? Uh, To mention four quick things to you. Number one, akin to David's intention, it was in our heart to build a house for God's name. God placed that in our heart. It wasn't just that we were looking to grow. wasn't looking that we were wanting something new. We wanted the name of God to be more widely known, to be more pointed to, more talked about. Meadowbrook's Worship Center is more than a building made of bricks and steel and mortar. This is a building that bears the name of God with it. So let us forever be guarding the words of, And the activities that take place here because God's name is associated with what happens in this place. As we assemble here for worship and submit ourselves to the instruction of God's holy word, let us leave this place always walking circumspectly with righteousness and holiness because all of us who are the people of God, having been in the presence of God, will walk with the name of God as we leave out of this place. We gather together on Sunday mornings to associate ourselves collectively with the name of God, and we walk out of here with the name of God as well. Our intention is to build the name of God, and structures are part of that. Number two, the word of God must be central to worship and prayer in this building. You notice that Solomon brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple's Holy of Holies. God's word was present there. And just soon after my readings today, God would manifest his presence right there above the Ark. It reminds us that the Bible, God's holy word, must be central to all we say and do. Everything we do in this church and in this building must be centered on the word of God. We must constantly measure the preacher's word, including this one, and the teacher's words to the Bible to ensure that their words and the songs we sing are deeply rooted in the Bible, God's holy word. People will be saved from sin and judgment and given eternal life in Jesus Christ and they will be discipled in the name of Jesus Christ in their faith if we preach and sing God's holy word. So we want to have the Bible as the central component of who we are in this building and in our lives. The structure brings glory, God glory, and reveals his faithfulness to us. This structure is meant to bring glory to God, not to us, not to a team of people assembled, not to any given leader. This structure is to reveal the glory of God and his faithfulness. I wrote to you a couple of years ago as we were beginning our final phase of the three-part initiative 
and we were in need of $3.5 million. And I wrote, you and I are taking the final step into Meadowbrook's most ambitious initiative. We stand at an opportunity to be part of a God movement that is so vast that his glory and grace will be on the forefront of conversations and the only explanation for its accomplishment. So when you hear somebody like Bill Kreese who says, after building many, many churches, this is unprecedented. What he is saying there is God has done something significant. This isn't about us. This is about the glory of God. That temple was not about Solomon. It was about the glory of God. It wasn't about the handiwork and the skilled accomplishment of those workers. It was about the faithfulness of God who assembled people together to bring about what he determined for the good of his name and the good of his people. We give God glory in that. So if you're like me, when you drive by this property and you see these buildings and when you come on the property and you walk in the structures and you gather for worship and you marvel at what, is, what has been done by God, gloriously done, what God has provided, what he has faithfully given, you can't help but utter out his praise. Even more impressive is God's eternal covenant with us which is what was represented in that communion that we took a moment ago, the Lord's Supper. His eternal covenant through Jesus Christ, providing steadfast love and salvation, and the fact that he would walk with us forever, that is to be praised. But then finally, let us each be faithful servants walking before God with all of our hearts, so God calls every one of us who make up the church named Meadowbrook to serve faithfully from our hearts that are fully given to him. Our greatest opportunities for service are now. This is the time, Meadowbrook, that we walk faithfully with our Lord. The world is dark, but God has given his light to us. The world is deceived, but you and I have been given God's truth, his word. The world is divided, but God has not only reconciled us, he has given us a ministry of reconciliation. This is our time. And God has postured us with the greatest opportunity with these facilities to make our greatest impact. So God has given us much. We must be faithful to that which God has given to us. It is required, he says, of stewards that we be found faithful. So would you take those four aspects and internalize them in this moment? Determined to live for God's name. As determined as we are that this building will communicate the name of God and point people to the name of God, God says our lives are meant to do that. Determined to live for the glory of God in the name of God. Secondly, have God's word, his worship and prayer as a central aspect of your life. Let God's word be who you are, solo scriptura. Let it be the authority of your being. Let it be the, 
the field by which you see through. Let everything in this world be understood through the counsel of God's holy word. Let your words to other people to encourage or to build them up, let them be rich in God's truth, as rich as it should be in this place. Number three, cherish God's glory revealed to each of us and praise him for his faithfulness toward us. Let it be that we are forever grateful to our God who has established a new covenant through his son Jesus and given us his nature by his spirit. And let us choose to walk before God and others as faithful servants, loving him with all of our hearts. And let it be that these years will be our most faithful and productive to the glory of Jesus. Pray with me. So, Lord, as we have dedicated a building to you and unto your glory, we determine in this moment to do the same individually and collectively as a body. Oh, Lord, let your will be done in us. Let your truth prevail in us. Let your glory be exalted in us. Let our worship be unto you and only you. And find us faithful, I pray. We recognize, Lord, if we give you anything, it will be because you first gave it to us. So help us to be found faithful as those stewards with all the treasure of Jesus entrusted. And Lord, I thank you for the people in this room. I'm so grateful for them. So thankful for the history of Meadowbrook and the way in which we were born and the life in which we've lived and what you have called us to in the future. I'm thankful that the greater years and opportunity for ministry are ahead of us. Oh, Father, let us be faithful unto you, collectively as a body and individually as people, called by your name. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus.